Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. Well, to me today, for me to show up is tough. That's tough, but that's, it's rising to the occasion. It's physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. This is the hardest thing I will ever experience. I think the fact that I, that I took this opportunity to share today on the six year anniversary. You know, last year I was running hundred miles and this year I'm like, what am I gonna do? What, what's so big about this year? I'm injured. I'm not really running. I'm about to look, I'm looking at surgery, you know, things like that. It's like, you know, those barriers that come in front of us, the obstacles that are, that blow in front of us. What are we going to do with that? Hey, this is Dr. Rob Bell. If you want a free ebook, the best mental toughness quotes that will make you better, just text Dr. Rob Bell. That's Dr. R-O-B-B-E-L-L to this number, 33444. You'll get a download right away. Are you one of nearly 7 in 10 Americans who doesn't feel fully rested when the alarm clock rings? Do you dread your mornings? Let's change that. Psalm Sleep is a drug-free, non-habit-forming sleep drink in a small can that can help save your nights from tossing and turning. Find out for yourself at getsom.com and stop dreading your alarm. Psalm Sleep, it gives you Z's. So our guest today is indeed truly special. Uh, she's a warrior, hero, and she's taken her mess and has made it her message. It's a powerful episode today. She started running in 2016, you know, first with the half marathon, then the marathon, as we all do, and that if we're lucky enough. And then we progress into ultra marathon. She did a 50 mile first and 100K and finished last year a solo 100 miler. Uh, this is a guest who I thought about during my 100 miler. Look, there are this no words to encapsulate uh, the pain and suffering that our guest has gone through and continues to go through. Uh, she got divorced in 2015 and her kids were victims of filicide as her husband murdered her children, Reagan and Grant, and committed suicide by burning his house down with all of them inside. She fights and keeps moving forward. And her book that is going to be coming out is called The 11 Year Burn. Hashtag love never ends. Our guest today is this hero, Karen Sparks. Karen, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Bell. I appreciate it. I, I know, appreciate the opportunity. Karen, you know, I have to start out with this. Since every podcast, I start out with kind of light, but you, you know, for our, our listeners, I mean, you're the daughter of a high school football coach, Duke. Yes. So, I mean, you're, you're a pretty tough chick, aren't you? Um, I am. <laughs> And I say that in the most humble spirit. Um, I am tough. Um, uh, Duke Sparks, you know, you kept, you say 
I'm a hero. Well, he's my hero. Um, Duke, not only my father, um, a spiritual leader and a friend, um, coach, preacher, uh, the pop to my Reagan and Grant, um, you know, a husband, he, he puts on many capes, um, many hats. Um, he's, uh, he is my true hero, um, outside of my kids and my heavenly father. Um, but yes, I was, uh, pretty much raised in a field house (laughs) and, um, uh, he, you know, instilled in me that toughness, um, which can be good and bad, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, but never given up. Um, and, uh, always finishing what you start. Um, is there a memory that sticks out with you about growing up that, that still rings true today? Yes. Uh, Friday night football, Friday night lights in Texas is huge. Um, I look forward to that every Friday night. Um, Saturday mornings, um, I wanted to, uh, get up and go to the field house with him and spend all day with him. I wanted to look at film. I remember him bringing film home um, on Friday nights and him putting the projector in our living room and me getting to push the button, the old school projectors and pushing the button and watching film. And um, uh, it kind of rings true to the, uh, remember the Titans or the Friday night lights that is out, you know, um, I'm kind of like that little girl and remember the Titans a little bit, but um just, uh, you know, that, that alone, um, I just loved being with him. I love football. Um, and obviously just being with my dad, I thought he was the best coach, um, out there and being in his shadow. Um, and, but I will say as, as time went on, my dream was to be a cheerleader on the sideline as he coached. And that did happen for me in high school. And that's a, a memory that I'll never forget. Um, that my sophomore and junior year of high school, I got to cheer on the sidelines with my dad as he coached. Mm. And uh, that, that, was, that was special. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, Reagan did gymnastics and cheer, right? Correct. And track. And and grand sports were baseball. And was he playing football as well? Yes. He played flag football, um, basketball, baseball, and track. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What, what memory stands out about like their sporting experience and watching them grow? Man, um, their ability and their natural athleticism, um, that was a joy to watch. Um, and just there, you know, they were obviously totally two different kids. Um, you know, Reagan, you know, they're both fierce. They're both, uh, were or are amazing athletes. Um, but just the, the difference in the two and the way my son studied and wanted to be the best uh, quarterback, the best first baseman, um, he was a forward in basketball, sometimes the point guard. Um, he studied his 
his positions and his support. Reagan just showed up and she just did whatever she had to do. Um, she was so feisty and uh, a free spirit, if you will. Um, <laughs> and I'm not saying she didn't care because she did. Right. Um, you know, but uh, their fight and just their spirit, um, it it showed out on the court, on the field, um, you know, on the mats at, at gymnastics, you know, as, as Reagan performed, I mean, cause she was on team and, um, you know, our, our thing was, you know, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me and, and, and our faith was, is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that's okay to share. Um, but you know, anytime they were nervous, I mean, we, that's, we just, I have that on their headstone, out here at the cemetery, um, it's Philippians four thirteen, and that's what we repeated, and uh, that's what they um, they showed, win or lose, um, you know, and to their friends, um, to their teammates, uh, their coaches, you know, um, they were special um, and different, and that's the way I see myself, you know. Just um, it's like I say, I want to be like them when I grow up. Um, but I also know like as a mother to the two of the most amazing kids um, that I've ever known, you know, they live, they still live inside of me. Their cells are in me. Our, my heart beats for three. And I know that's why I'm still able to be here and stand and show up. Yeah. I love it. You know, if we could start like in 2016, you started, Mm -hmm. I mean, you were still processing from this unspeakable tragedy. You were in pain, but you started running. Yes. Talk to us about how did that process start and where it went? Um, yeah, I will say, you know, in the first two to three years, it was a lot of shock and adrenaline. Um, and, you know, it started out with um, personal training, boxing um, with one of my dear friends, Heidi um, Weimer, and she started running with me a little bit um, as I was boxing. The boxing actually was the best therapy I could have had in that first year. Um, And I showed up probably six out of the seven days a week, every day, just hitting the bag, being with her, um, trying to, you know, flip the script, if you will, um, and not going down the path of, of drinking and prescription drugs to, 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 mask and to medicate myself I ran you know to the boxing bag and then from from her and that training that I had in that year and losing some weight um and getting a little bit healthier um my my best friend Brandy Ray um she uh challenged me just out of the blue to to start running um you know she is in she's an ex-addict of 15 years and that's what saved her and she just she wanted to challenge me and and um whether I took it or not I I showed up and I I I started putting one foot in front of the other um and I started training um for the Dallas BMW half marathon and then as you said I just it kept going um I found um in the beginning, I think that's where I found peace and release and 
where I could, you know, I'm hitting the bag and I'm, I'm pounding the, the pavement um, and just releasing that evil, you know, um, and, and saying, you know, that, that always running with RNG um, and that actually came from them running track and their track coaches that created that saying for me and them and um, running your race, running your pace. I mean, I've the, your identity that you're um, and to go back a little bit, I mean, I was stripped of my identity and, and, and that's where I had to look in the mirror and, and say, who am I without all these labels? Um, and, and I think we could all ask ourselves that. Um, who are we um, without being a mom, dad, husband, wife, friend, uh, daughter, ultra runner, whatever your title is, who are we in our core? You know, and I, I obviously, as I started running and started doing races, you know, that I look back and I'm like, I don't know how I did all that. But I know that that was just that shock and adrenaline that comes, you know, after grief and trauma and PTSD, you know, but then that led to uh, some, I mean, that lasted for about two and a half years. And then I hit a wall. Um, May 2018. Correct. Yeah. I hit a wall. Um, so you can go ahead. Sorry. No, that, that was it. I mean, you... <laughs> This is, again, this is your show. I'm just trying to guide. I mean, in, in May 2018, yeah. I mean, even though the run had taken hold, I mean, you, you mentioned how you were desperate and you had a plan to, to take your life. I did. Um, I, you know, it's like I, I thought I'm doing well. I, I, I lived with my parents for 18 months after everything happened. I got, I finally got out, got an apartment. Um, my cousin gave me a job in her salon. I mean, gave me an opportunity because I just, I didn't know where I fit and I didn't know what, you know, uh, our emotions, you know, I just didn't know how I would do out in the real world again. I got out on my own and I thought everything was going good. And then some things happened. I got into, um, you know, another bad relationship. And then I got into a really dark place. And, um, I think that's what I thought I deserved. I'm like, this is what I deserve. This is what, um, this is all that's meant for me. And I was tired. I was exhausted from showing up and, um, you know, fighting and putting on those masks. Um, you know, that, that is exhausting in itself. Um, and that's not, that's not real. That's not your true self, you know? And that's where, yes, I turned to uh, prescription pills and to alcohol and I had a plan. And then literally, um, as I've said in many <laughs> podcasts and articles and things um, and interviews that, you know, my kids and God intervened yep. and um, my dad immediately stepped in um, and I was in treatment um, in a residential facility in Tennessee within two weeks. Um, and just the time, the timeline of everything that happened and, um, you know, the fact that I even got in that place, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's very expensive. Um, yeah. but it, the, the, you know, in, in Texas, um, um, the crime victims fund, 
you know, it's so sad, you know, but because my kids were murdered, I had, and their lives are not worth this, but it's just, you know, 50,000 per child. And I had it sitting and man, you know, you use some of it for funeral expenses and and therapy, you know, here and there. Um, and, And, you know, without work and things like that, when you go through something like this, and then the, the amount of money that I needed at that time was sitting there for me to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a miracle in itself. Um, I, you know, my dad and I, I was very angry, obviously suicidal, um, pissed at the world. I felt like I had no purpose or no why. It's, it's um, you know, this is, it's over. And, you know, driving an 11 hour car, um, car ride with your dad, I mean, it's, I really don't have any words for that. It's like I was speechless, but I was just so mad and angry. I was mad at everyone, including him, my mom, my sister, everybody. I was blaming everybody. And um, obviously it's one person's fault. And I was mad at everybody else out there. So Karen, you, you had like the moment of your kids and God intervening when you had that plan though, to take your life. Right. Yes. What, what happened there? Talk about like exactly what happened that night. Um, I knew that that day, um, I, you know, it's like I said to myself, you know, that, that he won, the enemy won and I was done. I'm tired. Um, I called into work. I could feel, the the fever the everything in my body hurt to the touch um i just felt like literally i was already dying without even doing anything to myself um you know for a mom to lose children and not just one but two and both of my babies um you know there's not a lot, the survival rate, um, I'm assuming is pretty low. Um, this is something that, uh, you know, like I've said over and over, there is this no word in the English language by Remaster Media. Um, for a mother losing their children. Um, but anyways, I, I just knew all over my body, I had a fever, it hurt, and I could not move. I was in my bed. I knew I had the pills out, the alcohol out. Um, I was alone and it was a perfect time just to call it. And, um, but in the midst of that, you know, it's like, I was scared. I was nervous. I'm like, you know, this isn't me. Um, And so it was a battle. It was a spiritual battle. And, I cried out to God, to my kids. Um, I was able to get out of my bed and crawl over literally to this place I had of all my kids' pictures and just weep and say, I need you and I need you now. And then all of a sudden, I just started getting messages come across my phone and um it was from family members and, and, and friends 
and just, I love you. You got this, you know, just, mo- just encouraging me, loving on me. But yet I felt so alone and isolated and it was suffocating and it was gut-wrenching. And I just, you know, but in that moment, just looking at those, the fact that I even looked at them because I was obviously still so mad, so hurt, so angry and so confused. I mean, confused to the max. And, um, you know, then my dad intervening, um, you know, my hero, uh, and, and that's what led me to put the pills down, put the alcohol away, throw it away, you know, and say, I need help. Uh, and I know asking for help, that is hard. That is, (laughs) I don't think many of us uh, like to ask for help. It is something that I thought was a weakness. Um, I thought, no, Karen can do this. I can do this by myself. I got this. I'm strong. I'm tough. I don't give up. You know, everything that's been bred inside of me, you know, that's why I didn't give up on my marriage. It took, it took a lot when I should have been gone a long time ago, but I just kept hanging on and hanging in there and for hope for change. You know, but it just, um, staring those demons down, staring them down and saying, not today, you know, and you put on that armor and you go to battle and Reagan and Grant, Reagan's at my right and Grant is at my left. And I know God's at my back. And that's why I'm still here. That's why I'm still breathing. That's why my dad, I mean, he, he got me, he took me the treatment um, um, for what I thought was 30 days, ended up being 90 days. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to do that, but that's where I figured, I, I found out that, you know, um, when I thought, like I said, asking for help and waving that white flag and surrendering was such a weakness that that was the most courageous and brave thing I could have ever done. Cause that's where the vulnerability comes, the rawness, the real. And uh, um, that's where, you know, you're not alone because there's so many people out there that hide and isolate. And I was isolating. I didn't want to be seen or heard or loved or anyone but you know god had different plans my kid had my kids have different plans and um i'm able to be here today and to speak and to to show up cuz even today like i told you <laughs> off record that i didn't want to do this um and you know that's always the enemy coming in and attacking me trying to shut down everything that is good and that the word to be spread to help others the love you know and and just to help if it's not you know many just just one person out there that needs to hear this today that you're not alone and to it's okay to not be okay 
you know, let's just not stay there for too long. Um, I always quote Corey Ten Boom. My sister gave, you know, the hiding place in that book. And um, there is no pit so deep that he does not go deeper still. And that pit, I'm telling you, is the deepest pit I've ever been in. The pit goes further than six feet under where my kids were buried. You know, in, in the, the pain. Yeah. Karen, when you went to the treatment facility, it was a trauma and PTSD. And, and you said in, in order to get out, you have to go through. In order to go through, you have to go in. Yes. Explain that. What, what healing took place? Because I mean, I know what, we're going to get into God, but talk about the healing that took place from that. Yeah. Um, my, it was obviously one of the therapists that taught me that in one of our sessions. And that just stuck with me. And I just, I keep saying it over and over. And that's where I know that healing takes place because that's where when you run through it, not over it, not around it, because that's avoiding. And we all want to avoid and close that door and put it away and never open it back up, whatever door, box, whatever you want to call it. You want to shut that and never open it again. But it, the healing comes from within. And that's the whole point. And it is a choice. Some people don't want to get out. But, and I'm not saying I did, but I really don't have another choice. But I also had to show up. I had to wake up and show up to do the work. If you don't do the work, you're not going to go anywhere. You're going to stay right where you are. You're going to stay stuck. In order to get out, go through, to go through, you got to go in. You got to go into that, your gut and, and, and find who you are um, because you're in there. And as far as I went away, the root of me, that God rooted in me, um, that I was born to be is still in there, but it's lighting that flame. It's, it's, it's igniting, uh, igniting the, the flame within, um, you know, rising from those ashes, like, and I'm literally doing that, um, you know, you know, with God and, and, and my kids, but I just found the, the, the rawness and the real um, of who I am and who I was birthed, you know, to be, because I will say um, on November 1st, 2015, and as we sit here today on the six year anniversary, I died that day. I died that day. Um, you know, I, I look at the clock as, and the clock's ticking. And I remember the phone call that happened at 2.30. Um, and I, I'm sitting out here in the cemetery um, just to be. And so my point is that day I died with Reagan and Grant. That Karen died. I was buried alive. 
And as I speak today, six years later, um, you know, this is a rebirth of who Karen Ashley Sparks is um, and who God intended me to be. Um, and it is very hard for me to say, you know, and I don't like to say everything happens for a reason and all those kind of things, but, you know, God's already written this story and I'm just going through it and it is already finished, but my story's not over yet. And I know that that's why I'm here today. That's why I'm speaking to you and um, speaking to others that, that might need to hear this today, you know, and, and um, that I was buried alive and I'm rising from those ashes um, only, you know, through the spiritual realm of it and through friends and family, um, the ultra running community. To me, the victory is waking up every day and showing up, putting your feet on the ground and grounding yourself and putting one foot in front of the other, whatever that looks like for whatever second, minute, hour, or day, whatever that looks like in your day. Because I know we all do this differently in our life. And I, and I know that, you know, that I, as I was running Saturday uh, or <laughs> power hiking as fast as I could, I, I was on these trails where it was like there had been a fire. It looked like the apocalypse had happened, you know, and I just kept, something kept coming to me that there is life after loss because I saw all this dead on the trail. And then I would see a burst of color or the water um, or a, a berries on a tree or butterflies surrounding all around me and that there is life after loss. So yeah. <laughs> hey there. Good looking. If you're digging this podcast and you're going to love our brand new book, Puke and Rally. It's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. Check it out wherever books are sold. And now back to the show. You know, the beauty from the ashes is this fantastic visual. And that's why I get from talking with you. What, when the healing was taking place, was there a specific moment with God that you saw that you felt that you encountered? Cause I know there was probably many throughout this process, but is there one that stands out? That is a tough question. Um, because he, he's always there. And you know, I, here's the thing in my spiritual walk and in my faith, I, and through everything that's happened, I was very angry with him. I shut him out. Um, I cussed him. I, why, why me? You know, all those things, uh, the, you know, just being so angry at him. And, um, but I know in my gut and in my heart of heart, he's never left me. He went through this with me. He has been through this. <laughs> um, there's nothing that I'm going through that he hasn't. 
And that is a hard thing to grasp um, because it's on a spiritual realm and not physically with someone right here with me because I'm like, I want that meeting with him right here where I can ask all my questions. And, you know, because by the time I get to heaven, it's not going to matter anymore. But, you know, in my earthly body, that makes me mad. It pisses me off, <laughs> you know, um, but I, just, I mean, there's been so many of him showing up um, through the darkness, um, you know, and my favorite verse is Psalm 23 and I quote it as I'm on, you know, on the trails in a race, pretty much. Yeah because there's darkness all the time, but I'm, you know, I, I, there is light. Maybe going back to the, to, I drove by the, the land today where the house was burned, you know, so I could, it's like, um, you know, it fuels something in me and it, it gets things stirring. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's those moments, um, that he's like, I'm right here. And, and, you know, or, or towing the line or wanting to run a hundred miles solo. Um, you know, he, you know, created everything around us and, and what he gives me as I'm going through this journey, you know, this journey of collateral beauty, um, if you will, you know, it just, he never leaves us or forsakes us, even though in when you're in it, you feel like he totally abandoned you. Um, you feel like everyone has. But that is, to me, a lie. That is a lie from the enemy. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get isolated and alone and where we pull away and we think there is no hope. But that's not true. There is, you know, in the these moments, it's, you know, there is joy. You know, there's pain and there's joy. You know, it, you know, you it's it's both. Um, they coexist with each other. Um, you know, and uh, I feel, or I want people to feel. This file um, was optimized. You know by that, that they are loved, that they are heard. Um, that that I, it's like I feel like I, in all aspects, I can relate. I feel you. I hear you. I see you, and so does he. And you are not alone. You know, once I found out, like that, I was heard and seen, and 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 loved. Mm-hmm. The, a light bulb went off. Um, you know, but not many people can understand filicide or, or where I'm at in these shoes. Um, but I know everyone has experienced in their lifetime grief and loss, no matter what that is or what that looks like. And, and I guess that's what, you know, you know, there, and people ask me, um, is this closure? No, there is no closure. Now, is there a beginning? Yes. 
There is a beginning for healing and hope. But you have to want it and you have to, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you have to choose it. It is a choice. And, and I don't mean that disrespectfully because here's the thing. I have been angry. I still get mad today. I, I've been, I mean, my emotions are all over the place. Um, I, but when, when you get down to it and, and, and you find that grit and that fight and, you know, that stirring within you and, and that igniting that flame that's within you and, and saying, not today, you know, you're not taking me out today. And you are able to visualize, you know, write it down, speak it, call someone, um, whatever that looks like for you. Um, you know, I, it's just, it's, it's a, it is a battle. It's going to battle every day, you know, putting on that armor and, and it's being a warrior, um, you know, and I don't know. I, I, I like to just visualize staring down those demons and looking them straight in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, it, it's from a, um, you know, I say run your race you know, run your pace, you know, that that's stay in your lane. You know, this is you versus you and you can do this, you know, and, and um, I, you know, pain, pain is temporary. Quitting is forever. And I don't want to live with that. I don't want to live with that. Um, there are days where I quit. And I don't want to exist. I don't want to be here. Um, still, my kids did not die in vain. Their lives count. And so does mine. And that's why I'm here to live out their legacy, their fierceness and their love. And to keep running towards that roar, which obviously I get that from a Levi Lesko. He is a pastor in his um, his book, and he's mm-hmm. lost a daughter. Um, and uh, through the eyes of a lion is the book, and, and he talks about running towards the roar, and that just stirs within me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I visualize like that the lion, you know, I, you know, the king, and you just run straight towards it, and you keep fighting, and you keep yeah. battling, and you keep forging on. Yep. So. so about that grit and toughness and, and never giving up You're your hundred miler Reagan's at my right grants at my left and God is behind me. Talk to me about it's a, it's a year post now, but you did it by yourself solo. Um, you know, you had some pacers and, and loved ones with you, but talk to us yeah. about that journey for you. Once I knew that, um, you know, uh, through COVID um, and and I, once my race in Indiana um, in 2020 um, was canceled. That was going to be the IT100, right? Correct. The IT100. I was going to do that Um, one too. Yeah. (laughs) I, you know, and plus I had a 100K on the books as well. 
Um, I think it was the Habanero that I was going to do. And that one was canceled in August, I think. Um, I did both of those like virtual, you know, basically and solo um, with coaches, pacers, crew, you know, um, but not a live race. So I just knew once that that happened, I'm like this year on this five-year anniversary, like speaking about last year, Mm-hmm. Um, on that five-year mark, I'm like, I'm going to flip the script. I'm not going to be in the trenches. I'm not going to hide. I'm not going to isolate myself because David, my ex, is not going to take this from me. He does not win because prior to that, I would go away, isolate, and hide. Um, you know, Halloween, I mean, my kids were, you know, it, it happened the eve of, of them being taken from me and the plan that was happening that night. So I just knew on the five-year anniversary, you know, with my dad's help and, and him, um, you know, and just that stirring within me and visualizing that I'm like, I am doing that and I'm going to do it this year. And it was just cool that, on my turf in McKinney, Texas at Irwin Park, um, my team was already going to be out there for a Halloween event. So I told my coach, hey, I want to run my 100 miles on that nine-mile loop at Irwin Park, and I'm doing it. And I'm going to, I'm, I'm rewriting my story, and it's going to happen tonight. On Halloween, October 31st, it was 2020, the five-year mark. I started at 6.30 a.m. And obviously doing it solo, doing how I did it. Um, you know, of course I wanted to finish sub 30. I just put that on myself. You know, obviously most <laughs> ultra runners want to do sub 24s and all this, but that's what that's not what this was about. It was about me showing up. Uh, you know, my story and the reason I run is so different probably than many. And just the fact, and I had to uh, keep telling myself this and obvious, and my, my, my crew, my pacers, my team, my family kept reminding me that this is harder than any race. You, what you've gone through and the fact that you're showing up today and that you're towing your own line and you're going to run a hundred miles out here. No, you know, cheering squad. There's no aid station. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a live race. Uh, you know, cause I kept beating myself up that I'm that, you know, just putting myself down, but yet I'm actually, I'm so proud of myself and that's not easy for me to say. Um, you know, I don't like the attention on me and, and, and because it's everybody that makes me who I am right now. Mm-hmm. Everybody around me, um, as we, you and I have th- talked about not doing this alone. Um, this isn't about Karen Sparks. This is about spreading the word and, and, and getting out and moving and, and um, living life after loss. Um, whatever that looks like for you, but towing that line that morning and, and just that event in itself, I mean, it's, 
I will never forget um, that 30, 30 hour, 31 hours it took me um, that I did it, that we did it. And I remember being three miles in, seeing a friend out there. And I remember, you know, the cameras were out there. Channel 8 News was out there from the, a Dallas uh, station. And yeah. um, I had no idea that was going to happen. And then and, and they were there. And I remember seeing a friend and I was on mile three. And I just looked at her. She was like, what mile are you? I'm like, I, I'm three down, 97 to go. You know, and everybody was like, what? Like, and I was just full of energy and it. It's like it didn't even phase me that I had 97 miles to go. Because that, that's, it was an out-of-body experience, to say the least. Um, you know, with the friends that showed up that ran beside me, the experiences I had out there um, were like no other. And, you know, that was the way it was meant to be. I was not meant to be at the IT100. I was meant to be at Irwin Park with my family close, my coach, my teammates, my friends, that's what it, it was meant to be that way. And then just to spread the story even bigger uh, through the news and, and, you know, it just, that's the collateral beauty. That's the, you know, the whole domino effect of this. And, and you know, um, I, I, I don't know how to speak that because, you know, on Halloween, I, you know, sometimes I do, I think of more evil stuff happening. Um, but just the fact that I was rising from that and flipping that script that um, that's where I knew that, that we won, mm -hmm. you know, he lost, we won and we will continue to win. Um, you know, it's, uh, this is far from over. But that 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 hundred miles, I mean, that was my first hundred miler. Um, and I probably probably, you know, minus the vert and other courses that I see ahead in my future um, in ultra running, that will probably be the toughest one that I ever did. Only because of when it was and what the purpose was that night and that day. Right. So so one of the things is the process is more important than the product. What is it that, what stands out to you about that hundred miler that, that really was, was concrete for you? Like what experience, what was that moment that, that you can share? Other than it just being amazing and, you know, just the total out of body experience. And like I had people, it's like, as if I wasn't even running like that, that wasn't me. Um, just out, and outside of the love, the support, the the and the closeness that I felt out there mm -hmm. with Reagan and Grant, and and the the things that showed up that day, and the experiences I had with certain pacers and people and the conversations, um, you know the. That was just about rewriting the story. Um, and that being the beginning, that's not the closure. That was just the beginning of what my kids' legacy have on this earth and, and that I'm their advocate and I'm their voice. 
Um, and if I stop, then they die a second death. And that will not happen. I will not stand for that. Um, I will stand for them and with them. Um, I will be their voice. Um, and, you know, there, I've realized there's really no finish line. Mm-hmm. It's not about the finish line. And it's not about the buckle or the medal at the end. For me, I know we're all different. Um, it's nice. It's cool to hold it up. And, you know, in that race, I didn't have one. Um, but my coach had one made for me. Uh, and I held it in the picture, you know, this file where the world could see it. He had that made for me. Um, my hundred mile, you know, uh, and it wasn't a buckle. It wasn't a medal, but it was my, it was my medal, you know, of honor. And, and um, just in that moment, but bigger than that, there is no finish line here. Um, in a race or in life, you know, uh, I'm running this race for the prize that is to be with my kids again, face to face in that reunion of with God and my kids and having them with me. Um, so that experience is, (laughs) I'm just so, I mean, sometimes I don't have the words to say, you know, um, and I know, I I don't know, I I quote scripture quite a bit. um, And I know that might be offensive to some people, but in Psalm 23, where it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff are with me. And he places me at a table amongst our enemies, you know, a banqueting table. But my point is, is like fear, no evil in the darkness. Um, I, I love to get out on the trails at night. I, when most people go down at night, I rise. And I think there's a reason for that. Um, and, and I feel closer to him, to my kids and just under the stars. I mean, just the beauty at night, but yet most people think of creatures and and animals coming out and it's, it's scary. It's spooky. You know, it can be, but that's, it's how you look at it. You know, the experience that I feel like I, the night running. Oh man. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where I come alive. That's where I, um, I rise. And, and in that darkness, and I think there's a reason, you know, just because I, and that's why I, I do wear a lot of bright colors, um, my nails, my hair, you know, the neon colors. And um, my kids were full of life and um, they loved bright colors. And, uh, you know, one of my friends calls me rainbow bright. Um, I show up in all the different colors and, you know, I'm, I want to be a light in the darkness, um, and, and I'm, here's the thing. I don't always feel like that. Trust me. Um, I, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, 
you know, and actually I saw something last night from Dak Prescott from the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Mm -hmm. He was interviewed um, and it was beautiful because it was about losing people in his life and about the platform that he's on as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, but that's the platform that God set before him. And I love, cause he quote, he, he said, it's okay to not be okay. And the vulnerability, just the things that he shared as a professional athlete. And I'm just over here like, yes, that I'm not alone. He, he's doing this too on a much bigger platform, but I'm here too. And, and, um, and my dad shared that with me. I, I missed the interview and he sent it to me. And, um, you know, it just, that hit home just, you know, right before I'm going to speak to you, uh, you know, and he's speaking about the same things, um, which is, uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, beauty from the ashes and no. um, the platform that, that, you know, the stage, whatever that is, um, Am I going to keep going or am I going to, am I going to call it quits? Uh, I choose today to keep going. So. Yeah. You're such a kindred spirit. I mean, I love talking with you and hearing this and I know it's a very special day. Um, My last question, Karen, is what question uh, should I be asking that, that I'm not asking? Oh, Wow. Stumps, it stumps everybody. It does. That one definitely stumps me. Um, Let me rephrase it. What uh, is the mic? What is the mic drop moment that you want to share here? What's the last message that you want to share? I think that I'll just be, you know, repeating myself here. Um, it's. <laughs> There is beauty in the ashes. There is life after loss. Um, I want people to know that, you know, whatever loss you've experienced, um, that you're not alone. I think that's so important to know you're not alone. And to reach out, um, to acknowledge, to validate, you know, specifically for me, um, when a parent, a mother or a father has lost children to say their names, to remember their names. And man, my phone has been blowing up today from people I don't hear from, but they remember today. November Mm -hmm. 1st is etched in people's, and I don't, it's like, Life goes on, but the fact that people remember is huge in, 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 you know, for a bereaved parent, that's huge. Just remembering and and acknowledging and and saying Reagan and Grant's name and what it looks like for me, you know, you know, just staying in your lane and and running your race um, at your pace not comparing, you know, and, and just knowing it, it, it is hard. It does suck. Um, it is painful. 
but together, together we can rise from those ashes. We can run towards that roar, the, the, towards the roar and look at our demons straight on and stare at them and say, not today, you know, and, and maybe, you know, we're going to ask why for a while, but make that why, like make that your purpose. Like, why, why did this happen to me? But my why is Reagan and Grant. My why, whatever your why is, find your why. You know, and, and I know this is about mental toughness. Well, to me today, for me to show up is tough. That's tough, but that's, it's rising to the occasion. It's physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. This is the hardest thing I will ever experience. I think the fact that I, that I took this opportunity to share today on the six year anniversary you know, last year I was running 100 miles and this year I'm like, what am I going to do? What, what's so big about this year? I'm injured. I'm not really running. I'm about to look, I'm looking at surgery, you know, things like that. And it's like, what? It's like, you know, those barriers that come in front of us, the obstacles that are, that blow in front of us. What are we going to do with that? Are we going to go around it? Are we going to lie down and, and, and quit? Are, are we going to go through that? You know, I, I had every reason to not do this today. But I'm like, no. Reagan and Grant deserve me to speak about them today. Whatever that looks like and whatever, you know, someone hears today. It's show up. Show up for you. No one else. That's the thing. Don't show up for the crowd and for the people and the last sentence really, you know, being in the Runner's World magazine and the article and the last sentence talks about me running for Reagan and Grant and maybe one day she will run for herself. Like, whoa. Like that took my breath away. I got to do this for me. Not just Reagan and Grant, but for Karen and, and for yourself. That's what I'm talking to the crowd here. Do it for you. Show up for you. Fall in love with you again. Look in the mirror. Have those hard talks. You know, get in the arena. Uh, you know, I know Brene Brown and, and you know, you know the Theodore Roosevelt quote of, of your, the arena. You know, look that up and, and, and find that arena and arrive. And, and man, I mean, that gets me ready for battle that gets me ready to go and I want to do it with you I want to do it with people that's the reason for you know it's a slow process but writing this book um you know to share my experience and, and that to share my story to the world and to share our story um but also just you know, my kids' nonprofit, the Great Root Movement. I'm trying to get that off the ground. That's another, you know, um, you know, silver lining here. Look for the silver this lining. File was optimized there, there is one. By and sometimes I cuss at it because I'm like, no, there's not. And I fight it. And I'm like, screw that. But you know deep down it's there. And 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 people, some people were like, well, I don't have a story like yours, or I don't have a reason. Like, yes, you do. It is in you and you do. And if you don't, 
me. We can talk about it, you know? Um, and here's another thing. I'm being real and candid here. There are days where I don't want to help anyone. I want to be helped. I want someone to help me. But then again, I can look at everybody and say, I don't want anybody. It's not all about being motivational and, and, and mentally tough because that's exhausting. Deep down in your gut, find the grit and go for it because this is what we are made for. We're made for something bigger than what we're putting ourselves in a box and that's not where we belong. Wow. It's fantastic, Karen. I love it when you get fired up, man. It's awesome. <laughs> I hope, I hope you're going to let me uh, pace for you at one of the big races. Maybe it's it or maybe Moab 240 or something, but I'll be in your corner. Yes. Yes, man. I, yes, that yeah, would be amazing. Sure. Absolutely. Awesome. I, I, yes. I really appreciate you taking so much time here, especially on today. I'm going to post these links and uh, I know people are going to reach out to you, but uh, from the bottom of my heart, Karen, thank you so much. Wow. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate you and um, you being patient with me. <laughs> um, so thank you, Dr. Bell. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.